Welcome to Nameless Debate Radio, where radioactivity is contagious. You can join us in broadening our minds on the Nameless Debates Discord via the link below, and even feature here yourself, if you've got what it takes. I've already told you what I've already told you what my policy is, like in relation to classical liberalism. So I haven't contradicted myself. But this, this, what you say needs to happen warrants a response which i don't i, I don't see how this response can't be contradictory uh you're, you're breaking up for me i don't see how this response could could ever not be contradictory i well i mean i, I already explained it. I, don't, I don't know what you're looking for uh, i'm looking for a way where you can simultaneously uphold like individual liberties while simultaneously be willing to sacrifice individual liberties for the strength of a collective no i uh, I, I maybe i don't know maybe i've been like expressing myself wrong but basically what i'm what i'm telling you is i only respect individual liberties for people that are within my uh in group um so first that would be the people that have already been established um that would be white people who have been, built western civilization and who have been able to sustain values that's first and foremost and then secondly people who have been able to um assimilate to the culture and also have showed that they're able to uphold those values so those people are now part of my in-group um now when when we're talking when i told you that uh, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure what we would then do is use the vetting process that probably do you think prevention yeah um it worked You're pretty well separating populations of like hundreds of millions of people yes I don't, like yeah, i think this is how, more than an ounce of prevention works. this is like a metric fuck ton of prevention um okay uh it, i mean it, i mean that's semantical reasoning but sure we can go well, on I mean, that. fine you, you provided I, uh, this, like fine, we, <laughs> we provided the, the common saying here sure uh if you want to we can go with that but then again remember it's a um it would then just be a ratio of of outcomes so um, if if we did not use this prevention, then eventually we would get what we have now, where we have pretty much people being used for their votes. We have uh, the pop the the domestic population getting replaced through um, different reproduction rates, and where we now have this very unsure future where we don't know whether or not the group of people that are going to be coming after us will be able to uphold uh, our values and what kind of what shape our society will have. So again, it's just a ratio of of outcomes. So when I say uh, right, announce prevention, when you start treating this as a ratio of outcomes, and are willing to disregard the rights of the individual. You have now flushed those same values down the toilet in attempts to protect them. Do you not see the the inherent no, because, contradiction to because your in, here? No, because inherent in that ideology, it extend rights to people that are able to reciprocate them. Now, if we don't know if they can reciprocate them, then they have become something. They have become Varelsa. We, Wait, we don't. We can't so, communicate wait, 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 with wait, wait, them effectively so on that this would be, level. This would be. This would be right. Consistent if you said, "Hey, let's just kick out any individual who can't reciprocate my values." But what you're talking about, and earlier you said, "Well, at this point, you can't look at the individual." Right. You're now Not saying, anymore. "Hey, regardless of whether the individual can." Uh, you know, can reciprocate. We have to bite the bullet on that, and we have to separate whole groups of people. Yeah, exactly. So, 
like you've just flushed the, the individual liberties of this person down the drain. Yeah, down individual liberties. Uh, individual liberties. Um, are a um, what would you say is something that is a privilege. It's something that we have as is. It is a luxury, so to speak. It's something that we have when we have a stable environment. That's something that we can afford. When we don't have a stable environment, then it's it's technically an emergency scenario and emergency actions are going to have to be taken. Okay, but now what you're saying is that these things you cherish are possible because the only way to protect them is to completely abandon them. Yeah, the world... The, uh, like while, the only okay, way to so, protect something is, is by yeah. destroying it. You, you not see again how this is completely contradictory. No, because I already told you that ideologically only extend those rights to people who can reciprocate. Now, I can but try wait, to... Wait, 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 you're not, you're not only extending these rights to the people that can... Like, that's not the problem. The problem is that you're willing to revoke these rights from individuals that can reciprocate, right? Yeah, the, but the problem is I don't know if they can. There's a, there's a point where you pragmatically have to say... These people have historically been able to do this. These people historically but have You're not. speaking in generalities, right? Of course, because when you're dealing with large groups of people, you're dealing with generalities. You're dealing with averages. Yeah, but you're I'm dealing... asking why are you why are you yep. should deal with large groups of people when it necessitates that you make huge sacrifices? I don't know. My Discord is messing up or something. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? Can you hear me? I, yes, I, I can, can hear you. you. Okay, yeah. Something my Discord keeps on like doing something weird like every five minutes. Um yeah, what what did you say? I'm saying you don't have to like work with these groups holistically, right? You're you're choosing to do this. You can do this on a case by case basis, right? What with people that have or already have roots in the country, people who are citizens people that are voting that are reproducing uh just ethnic ethnically we can we can separate them and say this group is having more children like for instance in my in, in my state well, you could do that but the problem with you doing that is your justification for doing so is undermined by doing that like i have a let's say i have a beautiful vase and i'm like i need to protect this vase by smashing it and you're like well if you smash the vase you'll destroy it and I'm like, well, but I'm protecting it. Like, like th this is literally what you're doing. Like, you're oh, literally. Okay. Like I see. I yeah, I see the dilemma that you're trying to put me in. But when we look at the when we look at the collectives, how they vote, what their values are. For instance, Hispanics, uh, they they uh, the majority of them will vote for left. They'll vote for gun control. They'll vote Democratic. They'll vote for um, things which our founding stock did not believe in. Um, and then also, I mean, we see we see the same thing for say uh, women and then other minorities. I'm so Hispanic. I could say that. Right, <laughs> right. I could back you so, up on that. Right. Right. Hang on. Wait. Is uh, I don't yep. actually know what the Hispanic opinion on gun control is. Oh, good uh, not yeah, that gun control is for... a leftist <laughs> ideology. I'm sure they're all overwhelmingly for uh, they they well not I wouldn't, I wouldn't say overwhelmingly but I think it's like sixty percent. Do you have? Well, a, I'm, well, just well, I'm not I'm not saying that like you're lying or anything. I just I haven't seen this. I was wondering if I would have to look it up like right now. But 
I mean, I can look it up and send you like in DMs later. Um, but I'm just, but gun control, but gun control is like, we can, if you're not sure about that, if you don't like leave me or anything, like we can sacrifice that issue and just go to just basically voting patterns. Like they primarily vote for the left. If you look at Hispanic voting patterns. And well, they vote for Democrats. Biden, yeah. Yeah. They, they vote for they Democrats. For Cubans. Cubans vote overwhelmingly Republican. Sorry. Cubans vote overwhelmingly Republican. Well, they yeah, know so what that, communism feels like. Yeah, exactly. So now if, if, and now hopefully uh, that pattern is, can be sustained. Yeah, they are and if they of. can, I would love to have them part of my in-group and I would extend the values of. Okay. So I've just shown you how, like even breaking this up, like you know, slicing the pie once will reveal that like isolating Hispanics isn't really a useful way to do things. Yeah, but we're we're talking about a specific demographic within the Hispanic. Wait, do you think that Republicans stand for like individual liberty? Yeah, or not? Cubans are different than Hispanic, than like like Mexicans and like. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Are you are no, you a big supporter of like the Republican think, Party right now? I I don't think that the that the right in America is specifically tailored to to the American middle class. No, I think that they they that their talking points. Um, are pro middle class. Their talking points are, but their actions are not. But uh, we're talking about uh, voting patterns based upon what's put out to the public, and the public doesn't necessarily always look at the results of their votes, but they look at what's put up as an advertisement for the party. And so the talking points will either be pro the values that we have historically have, or like they'll correlate to it, and then you have values that are not which would be what seems to be what the Democratic Party is espousing right now. I, I think the Republican Party espouses like a lot of this shit too. I don't know. If we well, look at things like the Patriot Act, well, I'm no, things like, like... Yeah, but I'm talking, about, I'm talking about what's publicly put out there. I'm not talking about what's passed behind closed doors. Uh, I remember I, I, I was very... passed behind closed doors either. Well, I was very... I was very um, specific when I said what's advertised for the party, and that's what I'm gauging it off of. Um, I'm not gauging it off of the consequences of the voting actions because the public, of course, are very gullible, and also, I mean, right and left is pretty much their only has been their only option uh, for a long time. So I can only base it off well, of that as far as voting patterns. No, I mean like center right and center left has been their option. What do you mean as far as voting? Yeah. So, which parties are you talking about? Like the Tea Party, the Green Party, Republicans? Yeah, yeah, the Democrats and Republicans have been. So that's what I'm gauging it off of, and I'm saying that um, what we have seen emerge as demographics in America have shift is that there seems to be uh, people voting based upon identity, upon what is good for their in group, and I agree with you that I wish the world could be. Um, well, well, wait, hang on. So, so there's there's two things here. So, like, sure, we can look at like correlation between populations and voting trends, right? But what point are you trying to make? Because I would much rather have a country full of people. I mean, fuck, I hate the fucking Democratic Party, dude. But the fucking Republican Party right now is like indefensible. I don't know. <laughs> like the idea that oh, well, these people vote Democrat a lot. Like this really isn't like for me at least. This doesn't seem particularly problematic. 
Yeah, well, right now for me, the Democratic Party seems to be very pro uh, intersectionality. Um, they're they're anti job. Uh, the their candidates seem to be atrocious. On how are they? Uh, how are they anti job? Wait, what does it? Wait, yeah, hang on. What does pro intersectionality mean? I mean, just look at what their candidate was promoting: Hillary Clinton, going to get rid of the coal jobs. I mean, come the on. The coal industry employs seventy five thousand people in this country. All right, that's that's the same number of jobs like that. I think Arby's employs. I'm not. I'm not sure the relevance of that. Why would you want to? Well, because you're saying you, like. Still, why would why would you because, want to attack so, the well, industry? Two things, right? Like so unless you have Democrats, some, like, Democrats uh, don't necessarily want these people to lose their jobs and then stay out of work forever, right? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, like I think it's strange okay. to call someone anti-job when they were talking about like shifting. A section of jobs which is literally like the size of arby's okay i don't think this makes them anti-job um i mean i would have to see some kind of plan that they would have in order to reverse those people when they lose their job by placing regulations upon an industry that would result in its uh quote-unquote killing it but this this in itself is kind of a side issue what i'm t what the main issue that i'm trying to drive at is that there is a strong correlation between the identity of the people that are voting and then the outcome of which which party they ultimately select, and right, that's something like, that that's something that seems to be very apparent. I think it's almost like there's a ninety percent correlation. You have to ask yourself: there. Are the interests of these groups mutually exclusive? Even if we acknowledge this, yeah, and that that is a question that we're very unsure of. Um, no, I, th I think I'm pretty sure that the answer is no. No, no, what it, of these groups aren't mutually exclusive. Well, no, not not not. I mean, not specifically on every single point. Of of course, we're going to have some things that are shared, but I, I think specifically like what it seems to be, are going to be yeah, shared. But, but specifically, what it seems to be to me is that you have groups which are voting for policies which result in taking from the public purse and spreading it around to people that seemed that would be um seen to be as dis disenfranchised um you this would be your your immigrants this would be your your minorities basically well uh, no not not minorities just like poor people in general right well yeah but i mean these policies are i mean like if we want to look at the whitest like we can look at the whitest nations on earth we can look in scandinavia and they yeah. all have these same policies that the democrats are proposing and that minorities are overwhelmingly voting for so how do you reconcile this how do i reconcile that minorities are 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 voting in um in a, in a majority way for welfare in uh scandinavian countries well, how can is you that say that asking? this is only in the interest of minorities when all these white countries, like the most white countries on the planet, have these policies already in place in, in a form that's like far more structured than the U.S. Uh, okay, I see what you're asking. So for me, it, it is uh, a proportion of how much is being put into the system and how much is being taken out. Um, now, for, for European countries, uh, such as Scandinavia, uh, I don't have a problem with them having welfare or having um, benefits for their in-group um, because people are participating. The people are putting into the system, and people are taking. And also, it's universal. Uh, it's it's universally based. It's not means tested, like in Britain and America, which is why I also support it. But uh, the key issue Wait, of, of which sorry, I think that 
You said it's not what tested? It's not means tested. It's it's universal um, in Scandinavia. So, uh, but but Sorry, again, I, like... I, the, I, the, I, I might just not know what that means. Can you explain what that means? So basically, you have to make a certain amount of income in order to get uh, benefits from the government. So, um, and means tested societies, basically, you make above the minimum and you don't get your benefits anymore. So it pretty much like puts people... Um, or incentivizes them not to do better or get out of welfare. So it makes them almost like a, uh, it makes it makes a welfare class of society. For instance, like for Wait, instance can, in America so and Britain, you have generations like, of. If we welfare. look at like Iceland, you can only you only get these benefits if you are making above a certain amount. No, I'm not talking about Iceland. I'm talking about Scandinavia. It's it's universally okay, sure, based. Any, like, then you have like Britain and America, which are, are means tested. Yeah, that's that's basically what I'm saying. But the thing that is most important to me is looking at and is looking at what what are the newcomers, what are the uh, groups that are not voting uh, for right policies? Like how much are they putting into society versus how much are they getting out? Are they a net positive or they are not net loss on society? And and in so doing. Are they transferring resources that have been put in there by a certain demographic of people to themselves? That's the question that I'm asking. And the answer seems to be that groups are voting uh, based upon uh, their group to take resources that are being put in by a certain demographic, and then they're taking them out for their own benefit. Seems to be what's happening to me. Do you have like anything to support this? Uh, well, from studies that I've looked at, and again, like, um, I haven't researched it. Uh, like, I'm aware there's correlation. Me, like, like the idea like that, like, when recently, I go to the polls, I'm thinking, hmm, not only what is best for me or the country, but I'm going to specifically, like, consider if, you know, all the different ethnic groups are playing on, you know, different, like, soccer ball teams, you know, what policy will give my team the most and screw over the other teams the most. Okay, so your point is that that's not what you're thinking about when you go to the polls? No. Well, that's not what I'm personally thinking about, but my point is, like, okay. I, I don't know if this has been demonstrated that, like, a lot of people think about this. Um, well, what we do know are the results, which, which, and again, I don't have the studies right now. I can DM you um, some stuff that I was have been researching, but, or not, not, not recently, but in the past when I was studying this stuff. So, what seems to be happening based on what all my past research is uh, that groups like African Americans uh, and Hispanics are uh, a net loss. And then also they vote for policies which for which Wait, redistributes what? more wealth to more a wealth to people that a fiscal loss or an economic loss. Uh, can you can you explain the differences between those two terms? So in terms of um, what they take or provide to our economy, right? And things like, uh, I mean, GDP doesn't really mean what much, right? But in terms of like the, the welfare of our economy, we can talk about metrics for that if you want. Or in terms of what the government spends, like in terms of taxpayer money. Okay. So that would be in terms of taxpayer money. Okay. Yep. Um, there may be, I don't know, like there may be an indirect argument for that. That certain populations, um, I don't know if I've seen that it's a net loss. I've I've seen some speculation or you could that say perhaps like, a net like drag, yeah, 
well, like immigration from Mexico, like fiscally, right, in terms of taxpayer money, we probably um, we probably put in about as much as we take out, right, in terms of taxes. But then you have to account for the economic benefit of having these people here, right, and the way you've expanded your labor force. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say um, globally, when you get cheap labor in, I think it does actually contribute a lot to um, the GDP of the country. Um, but that's not my goal. When I when I when I talk about how much they have participated in the economy, um, as far as providing things like cheap labor, okay. that's not my goal. My goal is my goal is not to look at uh, how much they have inevitably made for the economy by means of that way. I'm more interested in innovation, but that's also a tangential point. What I'm more interested in in, in asking myself is how is the domestic population affected by the influx of cheap labor. Um, and that's primarily what, what Hispanics immigrating into this country have provided is cheap labor. And um, what I, from my research, what I found is that what it's done, it's made labor uh, lower in value because there is I've, a higher supply. I've never seen research to suggest this. Oh, I think I can find something for you. Um, but this in itself I mean, um, seems pretty uh, seems pretty obvious because simple supply and demand economics show that when you get a influx of workers um, that do not have the same opportunity, do not have the same standards as your domestic workers, there is going to be a supply, a sudden shift in supply of the work. And then the people that are disadvantaged or the people that are willing to work for less Will then get the will then get the job opportunities um, than the domestic population. But wait, labor labor doesn't work like this, right? Sorry, you, you broke up La- for me again. Labor doesn't work like this. Like economics isn't a zero sum game, especially in terms of like labor resources. There's a saturation of job opportunities at some point. Maybe at some point, but I mean, there have been st- like Infinite you can look expansion. at like David Card's study on the Mariel boat lift, right? on the Miami labor market where over the course of like six months, you had 300,000 people flooding in from Cuba. And this had like almost no effect on the, the value of low skilled labor. My thing was messing up again. Can you repeat what you're saying? I mean, like so we have a historical example, like you can look at David Card's study on the, the Mariel boat lift in Miami. And you can see like half a million fucking people flooding the labor market in Miami. And you can see that prices like didn't really change. There are a few issues with that study, but like, economics is not a zero-sum game, right? If I'm building something and I get somebody to help me build it, it's not as though my labor is now half as valuable, right? Like, there's still value, like, in our labor, right? Oh, you're, you're talking about its value in terms of its, of what it, what, in actuality. Well, yeah, what like, if you have be, more laborers, right? like, you can produce more stuff, right? <laughs> like, it's not as though like oh we double the labor market so now there is you know labor is worth half as much well, like, this is the no same way why chavez had to impose um his immigration policies uh I, I, this has been like a, a basic concept that uh that pretty much leaders have used historically um for instance if you talk to people in europe they will they will also give you their um their commentaries on people coming to their country 
It's a, it's uh, but an, I, again, I'm not interested in personal well, anecdotes like this, right? It's very well, intuitive that what you're saying, you know, well, like, well, those, oh, those double the supply of labor. Oh, you're going to half the value, but it, it doesn't work like this. It's not. No, no, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not saying it's that simple. Of course not. Um, there, there are fluctuating uh, demands for labor on the market, of course. Um, uh, for instance, if there's a new innovation or a certain company has gone uh, bankrupt or there's new opportunities, of course, the demand on labor is going to fluctuate. Um, but when you have a large influx of labor, for instance, when women entered into the marketplace, and then on top of that, you got more uh, and you got all of this cheap uh, labor through immigration. I'm not saying it's going to be simple as there's a direct ratio. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that overall, there is going to be a net loss of the value of labor simply because there is a supply. Now, if you increase the number Wait, of workers what in you, your country, what you just said is like completely wrong. Though I'm sorry, like just because okay, you have an increase in the net supply doesn't mean the value is going to decrease, right? Sure, it is. No, not at all. Uh, why, like why, why, well, you can't why, demonstrate wait, so, so are you right? kind of thinking of it like if I'm, uh, say for instance, like I'm a homeowner and I need my, uh, lawn mode, um, that if I have 10 guys come to me or no, say I have a team of two guys come to me and they're charging like say $15 an hour to, to do all their gardening services. And then say, um, you had an influx of labor and now you have 10 guys on the job market. And I have uh, three guys that are offering, say, $2 an hour. Well, I mean, of course, I would take the three guys that are offering $2 an hour. Would I not? Well, um, sure. I won't deny that if you, increase the labor the supply, if you increase the labor supply by 1,000%, um, that in the short term, yes, there will be a drop in the value of labor, right? Oh, oh okay. So what you're saying is you, you think that there's going to be a leveling out. You think there's no, going not to even, be a... not even that, right? I, I'm saying that like when you look at this past, like these very confined scenarios, right? So like these people that are coming in and putting in labor, right? They they're going to need services themselves, right? They're going to be circulating the money they own back through the economy. They're going to need a place to live. They're going to need to buy food, entertainment, right? And so. Mm -hmm. like, Potential mm -hmm. opportunities can pop up in all of these environments. It could be that because you have a larger supply of labor, other companies will they come in and invest in these locations, right, to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Sure. There, there are like a million ways where like this doesn't result in the the price of labor just like flattening out. If you're working in a vacuum, right, that doesn't resemble like anything in the real world, sure. Sure, I agree with you. I agree with you. That would be that would be perfect. Right. That would be um great. But um and maybe it would be a different story. Um, but that's what seems to happen empirically. I I think that you're right if we did have more of a, say a free market in, in the United States. Um but what we've seen is through like agreements with NAFTA um a lot of our manufacturing has left the country. We have a lot of basically primarily States make the most money from, say, um, they they make it most most wait, from healthcare what, services. What does this have to do um, with? Wait, hang on, hang on. What, uh, what we're more like. With, what does this have to do with jobs leaving the country? It has to do with jobs leaving the country because when you're talking about um, an you influx think if we of immigration, bring more immigrants in that more jobs uh, eventually balancing out. For instance, they're 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 stimulating 
the, the, the economy, there's circulation of wealth. Right, but like, do you think that bringing in immigrants is going to make more jobs leave the country? Um, I'm going to leave the channel real quick and come back because uh, my thing keeps on cutting out. Achilles. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can I can hear you. Okay. So um, basically what I'm saying is that um, there there is uh, a saturation of opportunity at some point. And that, and that saturation of opportunity... Um, is dependent on a number of, a number of factors, of, co of course. Like all all of these factors d d depend on um, ultimately resolving itself in economic health. Um, but uh, when you have uh, your your companies that are in in charge of manufacturing or are in charge of um, these sorts of industries leaving the country. Uh, because there are lower regulations or it's just inherently cheaper when you move capital in that way. Um, there, there is going to be a rate of innovation and progress that cannot keep up with the amount of laborers in your country. That's why I'm saying I agree with you that normally that would make sense. If you have a strong economy where you have strong manufacturing, you have less regulations and business and being able to set up a business and profit from that business is more streamlined, I would agree with you, it'd be a great thing to have uh, immigrants come in and be able to fill those positions and generate even more wealth. But that's not what we have right now. We have a, fr we have a free trade um, trade policy where we're constantly losing, co other countries are hoarding our currency and they're engaging in these trade wars with us. And on the other hand, we've had our manufacturing interest uh, industry decimated. They've move to other countries and now we're primarily a service industry. So what I'm saying is right now having this large influx of labor it, right now, it's not good. We can't handle it. Um, Wait, it's what, going what to drive down the that? price. It, well, like employment, employment in the United States is incredibly low right now. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Employment in the United States or sorry, unemployment in the United States is incredibly low right now. It's, yeah, it's I'm aware below what most economists would consider like an optimal rate of fictional unemployment. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of that. Um, but I'm not sure what it has to do with uh, the concept of uh, labor coming into the country and an increased supply of individuals competing for those jobs. Um, means that the price or the the value of that labor goes down. As in, if you have uh, and if you have more people that are competing for a job, that means that the lowest bidder will get the job, um, assuming that they all have the same skills. Which, no, not, which in, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that though. It might mean that they all sure. get a job, right? If unemployment is low, right? If we have unemployment of like three point five percent, there are there are often positions that just we don't have anybody to fill them, right? It could also be um, that like adding more labor to your economy allows you to create new jobs that didn't exist in the first place, right? That would follow, yeah, that we were able that we would be able to create new jobs. So I agree I agree with you that would naturally follow. But right now the, our free our trade policies don't allow for that um innovation and progress or um to catch up with the amount of labor that we're getting into the country. Wait, then um, why is unemployment so low? You know, um, I'd have to take a look at those figures and then 
and then look at the different um, uh, variables affecting that study because what's been happening since I think like the 1970s is that the rate of inflation has not been keeping up with the amount of uh, money per household uh, or income per household, sorry. So something with the numbers here isn't jiving. And well, I think the official numbers, yeah, do show that unemployment is going down. And I'm not sure how they get those numbers. Like, for instance, Obama had uh, numbers uh, that showed that uh, many people are unemployed, but it only counted people, uh, but it was counting people as employed that were looking for jobs, uh, but but actually did not currently have employment. Um, so I would have uh, to take a look at that. I would I, I would have I've to take a look at the numbers. Heard of this. I mean, I'm just getting everything from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, and yeah, and I, I'm not sure, but I think that was where they got it from. And that was their policy is that um, they would count people as employed that had uh, been looking for jobs, but we're not, but we're not actually employed by. So oh, what you might be referring to is the difference between the U6 and the U3, right? Where um, if people are unemployed, right, technically, colloquially, if they're unemployed, they don't have a job, but they're not looking for work. They're not considered unemployed. But the problem is like if you look past, like if you look back, you know, a hundred years, the U6 and the U3 have tracked each other pretty well. It's not yeah, like one I'm has not, gone oh, off in like some crazy direction. Yeah. I'm not sure. So I'm not sure which of those two that you would be using primarily in that study. That's the problem I'm having. Which is why I would have to I, check I would be back using the U3. The U6 will always be higher than the U3. Okay, so you're looking at the U3, and you're saying that historically they've been able to they've uh, tracked, be, each other. tracked each other consistently. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm not I'm not sure when you say they've tracked themselves consistently, um, how that how that changes the actual number of people that are unemployed. I'm not sure how it accounts for that, but uh, what I can say to you is that from what I've researched. Um, Wages have more or less stagnated. They have not been increasing, oh, I agree. especially I with inflation. Agree. Yeah, and the number of uh, then and the supply of labor, especially with women entering the workforce. Um, and I, I'm and um, I'm not making a value judgment on that. I'm just simply saying that that did increase the value of. Um, I'm sorry, they did increase the supply of labor, and along with immigrants. It it's it naturally follows, and I, I mean, I, I know previously that you had uh, objected to me using the commentaries of Europeans, but historically, uh, leaders of countries have enacted measures to keep immigration out of out of their countries because they recognize to, to solve this issue. Sorry, to solve this issue of yes, wage stagnation. To, to, yeah, to to solve that issue, and also not only that, but to. Um, make sure there wasn't a conflict between immigrants coming into the country that were willing to um, lowball, uh, so to speak, the domestic working force. And um, yeah, the, the numbers that you're citing about Donald Trump, uh, Trump's um, administration and the resulting unemployment right now, I, I'm not sure how to respond to that. I'd have to look at what they're using. And I, I, I appreciate the, you say the U3 and the U6 track each other consistently. I'll have to take a look at that, but something to me just isn't adding up. Um, well, because the, what's not adding up is that 
owning capital is now much more lucrative than it used to be. Okay. And, and when you say that owning capital is now more lucrative than it used to be and how that relates to wages stagnating, uh, can you expand on that? Well, because so like the economy is expanding, right? Even though um, the U.S. manufacturing sector has taken a hit in terms of like, you know, some in terms of a lot of people losing their jobs and those got jobs being shipped overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think America produces more now than it ever has. I could be wrong about that though. Um, but the you thing is like, it's, we, it's producing more goods than it ever has in the yeah. past. I'm not sure about that either, but I would probably bank on, let me look that up really quick. A negative um, to that. um uh, so would you want to look at like exports or just ma- mainly production? Just just uh, manufacturing production. Okay, I'll look so there's a, yeah, there's a Pew poll, or not a Pew poll, a Pew uh, page on this. Um, I mean, it's more than the, yeah. It, it's... It's not quite up to where it was at around 2007 because we're still recovering from the recession, but it's higher than it was um, from like 2005 prior. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. And then American Manufacturing Production Graph. Now, let's see here. Okay, I see what you posted. Okay. Now, one thing that I think will be beneficial to look at is how this compares to, say, China. Or say to Mexico. Um, Just looking at Chinese manufacturing output over time. Okay, so I have a graph here. No, it doesn't give the. It's from investing. Curious catalog. Okay, it's from 1999 to 2011. And I'll put the link. Now, this is the difference between United States, Japan, Japan and Germany and China. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, China has overshot the United States by... Current United States dollars, okay, twenty three hundred. Okay, and that's what I was thinking when I was giving the negative. I was giving, I was, I was basically thinking of a comparison between countries. And China is the big exporter right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. 
that this doesn't surprise me at all. Right. Now, let me see. I mean, China is also a country with, like, hang on, I need okay. to look this up. Now, here's. Yeah, China has a population of 1.3 billion people. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Let me see here. Oh, it looks like the link is just a bunch of gobbledygook. Okay. Now, here's a graph showing the regional shares of world manufacturing output in U.S. dollars. So, right now, what's projected for 2020 is close to 25% a quarter, a quarter percent. Okay. Um, and you said, and you said this relates to uh, the reason why capital is more lucrative. Well, yeah, capital is more lucrative. I mean, in the U.S., unions have been getting weaker over the past um, like several decades, so collective bargaining is is weaker. So, work like workers can't necessarily argue for a higher wage. Mm -hmm. Like these are other explanations for why wages are stagnating. Mm -hmm. Productivity is growing, but maybe not quite fast yeah. enough to keep up with like inflation yeah. and other factors like that. Yeah, I agree with you on those points. That seems to be the trend of globalism, which is that there's an increase in production, but there's a decrease in, say, the lifestyles of the working class. Um. And this is what I I don't, am I don't even know if it's necessarily about. a decrease in lifestyle. Um, actually, well, no, I'll, um, I'll agree with you there. Yeah, wouldn't you agree? Like, for instance, like in the 1950s, a man was able to raise a family on his own. Yeah, in in that respect, you're completely right. Yeah. Um, there's this there's like the, the little bit of nuance I might add to that is like we all carry around you know supercomputers in our pockets, which would have been valued at like trillions of dollars in the 1950s, but um, like it, it, I get what you're saying, and I agree with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is what I am concerned about, especially what you, with what you said, is that you need fewer workers for uh, what would be more pr uh, greater production capability and than the past. And this is why I said I probably have to look at those numbers that you said about unemployment with Donald Trump administration um well i mean unemployment right has been steadily declining since um i mean basically since the recession yeah and that's i think that's the common narrative that's put forward but well, um i mean that's at, like at the, the risk data, of, that's like yeah yeah at the risk of sounding conspiratorial i i just don't i mean I if you have a better way of collecting unemployment data than the bureau of labor statistics i would be interested to see but I'm yeah you know um I'm going to do more research on that because it's actually pretty, it's a pretty interesting topic. Um, I'm going to do some research on that and see if I can find any other way to look at, look at sources that wouldn't be biased on giving a, say a good, uh, a good, a good at face value. I say a, a face value to the, to the public, like a good look to the public. I think that would be, beneficial just to get some perspective i might very well uh, my doubts might not be founded at all but it, it doesn't make sense to me from like from what i researched historically and um about 
Well, like, like yeah, it's, it's not intuitive, it's right? Good. But yeah. everything seems to indicate that like this just isn't the case. Like I would also recommend um even though so like with with regards to the Muriel Boatlift study that David Card did um back in I think it was like 1990. Um this was also a time when like a lot of women were joining the workforce, so there are maybe some like other factors there. Um but like in general it seems like adding a massive pool of laborers doesn't seem to really affect the um the the price of low skilled labor in the way you'd expect. Uh yeah, could uh do you know a link to that study? Uh yeah, I could probably find it on JSTOR. Hang on. Okay. Cause I would like to look at that. Let's see if I can find a free version. You might also want to res- read the um, the response from uh, Borjas on this study because he points out a few issues with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borjas is is one of the few economists who is oh um, a you little more what? skeptical um, of immigration. But uh, I'm sorry. Could no, you sorry. could you DM me that? I'm getting a call from a friend. Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Um, thanks for thanks for having the conversation. I didn't mean to cut it short. Yeah, of course, dude. That's fun. Hey, Achilles, where are you at? <laughs>